Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. Ready for some gospel? Let's get it, man. Let's get it, let's get it, let's get it. Blessed be the name of the Lord, man. Wow. Y'all, it's already March. Like, March is here. Like, jeez. I'm telling you what, March is here. I absolutely love it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm trying to figure out where I want to go today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Abba. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. And uh, Miss Marsha, just kind of follow along with me. I just will figure out, trying to figure out where I wanted to go. Maybe 1 Samuel 16 and Psalms 23. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Wasn't worship just sweet today? Alfred is stuck on a cliff. My Roomba is called Alfred. And uh, my phone just said, Alfred is stuck on a cliff. What is it talking I mean, I don't even have a cliff. What is I don't have a clue. So, Lord, just move on Alfred's life right now. <laughs> just, Alfred is stuck on a cliff. Struggling. I went there one day, and um, we have, I don't know. Sometimes my kids get on the couch. Y'all kids don't do this, but in South Edmond, our kids kick all the all the pillows off the couch. And so, our little decoration pillows, you know, really they, they're get in the way pillows. That's what I call them. I'm like, I can't even comfortably sit in here with these 37 pillows, babe, that you got on the couch. So, but Alfred got in, anyway, his little arm got into it and he pulled the material out. Um, and when I got home, I mean, the phone said again, you know, Alfred is something, maybe it's stuck on a cliff. I'm like, that ain't even a cliff. What is, I mean, Alfred stuck. Alfred choking on this cloth is what Alfred's doing. So, He's dramatic. He's dramatic. He's not saved. We lead him to the Lord. He doesn't have a soul. That's his problem. First Samuel chapter 16 in Psalms 23. Um, in context, the nation of Israel has had their first king who is King Saul, who currently is king. Um, and I got a long way to go in a very short time to get there today. Um, who's King Saul, but King Saul thus far has not had a really good reign because pride got in the way. And he started beautifully, actually. He started really, really well. God never chose nobody to let him, to, to, to make them a public failure. And Saul started humble of heart, but pride got in the way, arrogance got in the way, and self-centeredness got in the way. And he started just really his kingdom, his reign of his kingdom began to have a downward, downward spiral. So God tells Samuel, the prophet who anointed Saul, he says, I want you to fill your home with oil, and I want you to go to back to Israel. I want you to go to Jesse's house. And I love what God tells Samuel. He says, I want you to quit crying and fill your home with oil. Sometimes God will speak to you and say, you need to quit crying over what I've obviously moved on from. Jesus, hear that word now. Quit crying over 1 Samuel 16 and 1, what I've obviously moved on from. Because watch this, I have a fresh anointing on the way. But you cannot get a, 
you cannot be part, you can't partake of a fresh anointing as long as you're weeping over what was. And then when he chose to move on, dry his tears, God allowed for the tears, but it's been a little long there, Samuel. Move on. Don't let your emotions keep you held in your past longer than you're supposed to, right? Because if you're not careful, you're supp- we are supposed to let our past be a school that we learn from, not a prison we get kept in. I said we're supposed to let our past be a school that we learn from, not a prison we get held captive in. God tells Samuel, go to Jesse's house because my next king is there. Right? He gets there. Verse, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6 says this. So it was when they came that Samuel looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointing is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature. This is, this is powerful. Because I have refused him. Watch this. For the Lord does not see as a human being sees. For human beings look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at what? That is powerful, friend. So then Jesse called his next son Abinadab, made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made Shammah pass. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus, Jesse made seven of his sons pass. And Samuel said, ain't none of these the one. Hmm. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all of your children here? Now, how do you forget one of your... If a guy come to your house and say, one of your sons is the king, you don't forget them. I'm bringing in the neighbor's kids, Ray Ray's kids, Pookie's kids, Shanique. I'm bringing in everybody's kids. You don't forget. You intentionally overlook one of them. And this is what happened in this story. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Verse 11. And then he said, man, I love this. There remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him because we will not sit down until he comes. And he sent him and he brought him in and he was ruddy with bright eyes. He was good looking though, looked like me, was good looking. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him for this is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him. In the midst of his brothers. Somebody say the midst. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and he went to Ramah. I really want to read it. I just don't have time to read it. Verse 14. Let me just keep on going. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled Saul. Saul's servant said to him, surely a distressing spirit from God is upon you. Let our master who Saul now command your servants who are before you. To seek out a man who is a skillful player on a harp, and it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul said, that's a great idea. Provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Verse 18, then, everybody say then. One of the servants answered and said, look, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite who is, watch this, skillful in playing, number one, two, a mighty man of valor, Three, a man of war. Four, prudent in his speech. Five, handsome. Six, the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the what? Sheep. And Jesse took and loaded with bread and wine. Communion there now. And a young goat and sent him by. 
his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul when he stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. Saul said to Jesse, please let David stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. So it was whenever the spirit of God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play with it with his hand and Saul would become refreshed and well and a distressing spirit would depart from him. Psalms 23, we all know what it says, but just for the sake of it, let me read it. Shoo, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. Everybody say this: say preparation time is never wasted time. Say preparation time is never wasted time. Let me give you another one. God is always preparing you for the thing He has got prepared for you. That's so good. Say that again, Pastor. Okay. God is continually preparing you for the thing he's got prepared for you. If you didn't know it, God is always preparing you. You haven't gone through one heartbreak, one heartache. You haven't never shed one tear that the Lord wouldn't redeem and use and to take you where you're going. Even your mistakes are calculated. I ain't saying nothing. I said, even your mistakes are calculated. Even your sellouts are calculated. Remember what Joseph told his brothers the day he finally sat as the second most powerful man in all the known world. After they sold him out and he spent years of his life in prison, years really as a vagabond, years as a servant and a slave to other people. Finally, the word of the Lord that came to him when he was a boy, he's sitting on the throne. He said, remember, he said, you meant an evil for me. That day you sold me out. He said, but God meant it for my good. So that he would establish his covenant in the earth as it is to this day and save many people alive. You have never gone through anything that God will not take and make it as an ingredient into the makeup of your life. God knows how to get you where you're supposed to be. And I felt like, man, I felt like challenging people today to be encouraged where you are on your journey. Because you are not the author of it. Neither are you and I the finisher of it. God is the author and the finisher. Come on, he is the one who starts the story. He's the author. So he's writing it. And if God's writing your story, please don't take the pen out of his hand and try to write. No book has ever written itself. Let God write. Let God write. The Bible says that all my days are in your book. God is writing a story. And if you and I don't like where the story is right now, it's okay. Don't cry. Because right now is just a scene in the story. No, I said it's a scene in the story. It's a page in the book. I didn't like it a, a couple of years ago when my daughter, really she had COVID, but nobody knew what she had because COVID hadn't came public yet. Well, she almost died and we're sitting in the NICU for seven days. I'm like, what in the world is going on? But it was a scene 
in the story. It was a valley. We were what? See, David said, yea, though I walk through the valley. What some of you guys did is you got in a valley that was supposed to be temporary and you made it to a permanent stage. And you're supposed to be a pilgrim, the scripture says, walking through. But instead of setting up a tent, some of you guys got in your valley and you laid a foundation and started building a house in there as if you always going to stay there. And never build a foundation in a place that Yahweh has called you to go through with a tent. Never become permanent in a phase where Yahweh said, you're supposed to be walking through this valley because that is not your final destination. And there are many characters on the pages of Holy Scripture whose lives we can glean from. 20 minutes, let's go. I love the story of David because it speaks to me. Because like David, I'm the youngest out of all of my brothers. I'm by far the best looking, but I'm the youngest. And I let my brothers know, y'all are some ugly dudes, man. Y'all got me in age, but Jesus, you can't take ugly off. Makeup can only do so much. By the way, we were, I was sitting with my wife the other night and Kaylee the other day. It might be, it might be yesterday. My wife and I the other night in the bed, I think it was Kaylee yesterday. And have y'all seen these filters? Ooh, they some filters. They got the filter, got the hand of God on it. Like I've seen. So anyway, Kaylee had this filter on and Kaylee's a beautiful woman anyway. I'm like, Kaylee, that's you. Like a little bit less wrinkled, but that's you. But I've seen some people. It's a, you know, it's a face only Jesus can. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Even the filter, the filter, the filter's like, I'm trying my best. I'm really trying. I'm trying to make you look good. I have no clue why I said that. I don't even know why I was going in the message. Now. I really don't. But just, just, I don't have a clue. Anyway, just let me get back. David. David. I like David. He reminds me. What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother, they don't look as good as me. They, they ugly dudes. But anyway, you can't, it's kind of hard to take ugly off. But So David is the youngest of his brothers. Didn't know this. But David had a huge destiny on his life. When David was born, his dad wasn't there whispering, thou shalt be the king of Israel one day, young man. Thou shalt surpass thy seven brothers. It wasn't like that. I imagine David wouldn't have in life. We don't know this factually, but some historians and even theologians believe that David was what we call a love child. They believe that David, the reason David's dad didn't call him in the day that Samuel came is because David would essentially have had a different mom than his other brothers. So when David declares in Psalms 51 that I was born in iniquity or born in sin, shaping in iniquity, see, when you take a text out of context, what do you get? When you take context, when you take text out of context, you get what? So we took one Bible verse that David said where he was born in sin, and we said, well, then everybody must be born in sin if David was born in sin, as if when a child's born, he's born sinful. The spirit of slap wants to come on me. I'm like, smack up. No, that's not what that means. David was saying, I was born through a sinful activity. I was born in sin, thus I was shaping in iniquity. So he didn't get invited to the anointing ceremony. Matter of fact, his job keeping sheep would have been separated from his other brothers. He wasn't liked in the house. But Israel already had one king that was drastically failing. And God was behind the scenes like the video producer. 
He was editing things to make it fit David's destiny when David didn't even know he had one. God was aligning and realigning and moving and orchestrating, pulling strings behind the behind offset, you can say, to make it work for David's good. God tells Samuel who is in a bad place himself because the guy that he anointed isn't doing very well. And God says, Samuel, I understand you love that boy. I love Saul too, but he is not the one. Fill your horn up with oil. <laughs> Fresh oil now. Fill your horn up and go down. Find a guy by the name of Jesse. One of his boys is not just the next king. He's going to be the great king of Israel. He fills his horn with oil and he goes to Jesse's house. And when he gets to the city, see, there was a day that if you were considered a man of God, you, you, literally your life carried weight to it. When he gets to the gates of the city, the Bible said, Matthew, that the people were trembling. And they asked him a question. Do you come here peaceably? In other words, we trust the word of the Lord in your mouth so much so that if you come and you speak cursing over us, we believe it'll happen. If you speak detriment over us, we believe it'll happen. But, but if you speak life, we believe it'll happen. He said, I come in peace. And he said, okay. He said, okay. And he goes, covertly, he goes to Jesse's house and he says, one of your boys is king. And he had to do this secretly because Saul would kill anybody. And he said, okay, go get your boys. Okay. And he gets seven of them and brings them before him. And he has a horn of oil, right? Literally a ram's horn filled with oil. Most historians believe that the bottom would have actually been filled with wax. I love this story now. And he goes to anoint the first one. And when he holds the oil over his head, they believe that by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God would melt the wax. And that would be the sign that this is the one when the oil flowed. But God had to melt the wax first. See, see him holding it up over the first one and nothing's happened. He said, well, this, this isn't the one. He's like, God, is this, is this right? I mean, I'm the prophet. I see, but I, he, he looks the best. He's stronger, muscular, taller, and he goes to anoint him. And the Holy Spirit took the prophet to school. He said, let me tell you something about me. I'm not like you, Samuel. You judge everything off how it looks externally. But I'm looking at something a little bit more deeper than the size of his bicep. I'm looking at the character and integrity of his heart. And that one is not it. Maybe it's Abinadab. He's waiting. This one isn't it. And you know his dad's like, man, I sure hope it's this one. Bring this one. And that one's not it. And you can see Brother Jesse, you know, Pentecostal sweats coming on him. He's just going down the line. It ain't none of them. And the prophet looks at him and he says, are all of your boys here? I got the mistake. He's out there in the field, though. What's he doing? He's keeping sheep. Mm. Go get him. What? Because ain't nobody sitting down till he comes. And he, David, David don't know what's going on. But you can rest assured, he knows that the national prophet of God is at his house. And he didn't even get invited to the room. Out there getting beat down with the sun, fighting flies while the national prophet is delivering a message. The Billy Graham of your day is at your house and you out in the backyard cutting grass. And one day, this day, a few hours, I don't know, minutes pass, and one of his brothers goes running out there. Says, David, David, his name means beloved, by the way. Beloved. Prophet's calling you. Now you got to understand, David has been wearing shame his whole life. 
But the prophet is calling me. Me. Nobody calls David for nothing. Except go and do this. No, he's calling. You have an audience with the prophet. And in his day, if you had an audience with the prophet, guess who? It was the equivalent of having an audience with who? God. And you can see David coming. I imagine, I mean, he didn't have time to wash and get cleaned up, probably like the other boys would have. And David goes in there smelling. Probably used to walking with his head down and probably walks in the door. Because you can't look the man of God in the eye, you know. And when the man of God sees him, he says, now surely the Lord's anointing is before me. And God tells Samuel, he said, now rise and anoint this one because this is the one. And, 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 and Samuel held it over David's head and the oil flowed. And the same way David had been anointing sheep his whole life, now the oil is flowing over his head. And David didn't know it, but from that day forward, his destiny was fixing to get altered and shifted. Man, Jesus. If you're taking notes, I want you to write some of these things down. What, what David didn't know is that what he had been doing in private for years was setting the stage on which one day he would live in public before people. What he had been doing in private was preparing him for what he would one day do in public. Him being faithful with sheep when nobody was looking was the breeding ground, the testing ground, the approval ground that for one day God would say, if I can trust you to keep a few sheep that nobody cares anything about other than your dad, then maybe I can find in you a heart that can possibly rule people for me or rule over people for me. See, Jesus said it this way, unless you can be faithful over what is little, you'll never be giving rulership over what is much. And then he said, unless, Luke 16 and 12, unless you can be faithful over what belongs to another man, you'll never be given that which is actually your own. I just got done telling our team leads today in my office in the back, well, you better get ready for more this year. We think more breakthrough, more blessed. Yeah, that's part of it, but more stewardship. More organization, healthier communication, ready for healthier marriages, healthier mental states, ready, healthier diets. No, we ain't saying nothing. Get back to talking about blessing, pastor. We want more, but we don't handle well what we currently have. And if you can't handle what you currently have, it don't. If you say, well, I'm just waiting for God to give me my thing and I'm going to take it seriously. No, you have your thing right now. And how you handle what looks to be little will determine how you handle much. If you can't be faithful with $100, you won't be faithful with 1000 If you can't give off of 50 bucks, you wouldn't give if you had $50 million. You won't do it. Proof is in the pudding. If you can't take care of a 1927 anything, then why would God give you a 2023 anything new? So what if promotion in our future was determined by how we handle the present? I'm telling you the secret of the secret success of your tomorrows can be found in how you handle your todays. I said the secret success of your tomorrows can be found in how you handle your todays. And David had no clue about it. But while he was being faithful with keeping his daddy's sheep, God said, you passed that one. You passed that one. The heart test. You got that one, David. Jesus, man. 
And Saul one day is literally just sitting on his throne. He has been plagued by a distressing spirit. And one of his guys says, you know, we need, we need somebody that can play a harp. And if we find that guy, maybe when you're distressed, maybe he can play and you'll get refreshed and be well. And he says, why don't you find a guy for me? And, you know, I would have thought it would have took like months or weeks. Instantly, one of his servants that has the ear of the king in that very moment said, you know what? I know a guy just like that. In other words, on this cat's lunch break, he walks out of the palace of his day, you know, walks to the back of the palace. And as he's sitting back there, he's looking down the horizon and he sees Jesse's boy, the reject, keeping sheep, maybe sometimes late in the evening, and he hears him playing his harp and singing songs. See, what you don't know, Jesus, what you don't know is somebody's eye is already on you. You don't even know it. What you don't know is your private life somebody's already listened to, and you don't even know it. You don't have a clue who can take your name to the right person that could literally alter your life. Do you hear what I'm telling you today? And you thought that the thing that you were doing was not important, but I'm telling you Yahweh can have the right person that can see Matthew, that can carry your name into a modern-day palace and put it into the ear of a modern-day king, a man of authority and weight, and your whole life changed with one word. But if you're waiting on your big day before you actually start treating with integrity and honor what you currently have, you miss it. And the definition of breakthrough, the best one I can give you is this, is when all of your preparation meets God's opportunity. I will throw this whiteboard across the back. I said, it's when all of your preparation meets God's opportunity. When everything you've been praying about, believing for, fasting for, working for, building your skill set for, working on your behind the scenes, part of your website, trying to get all the video, trying to get all the manuals. Just, you just believe in God that God's going to bless this. When all of your preparation meets God's opportunity, boom, that's breakthrough, friend. But let me tell you something really sad. I've done this so many times in my life. It's when God's opportunity comes your way and you have failed to prepare. And David didn't know it. Every time he was feeding those sheep, every time he was leading them aside still waters, every time he was taking a rock and a rag and defeating the lion and the bear, he had no clue that he was building heaven's resume for himself. I said, what you do when nobody's looking prepares the stage for what you will be doing one day when the right people are looking. I had no clue, Kristen, that when I left John Station, North Carolina, Matthew, in 2005 and moved to Greenville, South Carolina, I was doing, I was doing, I was preaching 12 to 15 times a month at 21. You know what I was doing? Making a mess. That's what I was doing. Lust-driven. Sleeping around when I had the chance. I ain't saying nothing. But taking meetings every chance I got, Michael. Thought I was God's man of faith and power for the hour. Left that. Because see, anyway, I was my own king in my own show. Left that. Moved to South Carolina where a guy named Tony Miller started serving him. And I quit. I didn't preach for like three years. Quit. I was cleaning toilets. Mike was there with me. Cleaning toilets. Toting Bibles. Doing all the stuff we were doing. Not knowing, though, that I would start getting built in me behind the scenes all the necessary ingredients for what I would one day have 
when God gave me a place to build family. So watch this. All the spreading of mulch that I did for that minute, like literal mulch, and all the ant pals that I put it on. Jesus, my, I got tore up one day. Our ministry was based out of a strip mall that my father-in-law owned. One spot that he rented to, Michael, was a nightclub. And they partied hard on Friday and Saturday. Well, we would come in on, we would come in on a Monday. They had on, when I, when I filled out the application to be an intern, they fooled me. See, they had the word special blessing. And I thought, whoa, wow, Monday's a special blessing. Oh, ah, mm, Jesus, whoa. I thought it's going to be awesome. You know what special blessings was? It was cleanup day. And sometimes you had bathrooms, sometimes you had kitchens, sometimes you just had offices. The rest of us, we went and cleaned behind the nightclub. And we would find those things that men use, that they would throw in the parking lot, right? Needles, like legit. Is that true? My bottle, just crazy stuff. But I had no clue that me being faithful, doing the stuff that nobody else wanted to do was setting me up for a day that I would do stuff that a lot of people possibly wanted to do. I had no clue that me being faithful over the guys that he asked me to lead would one day put me on a platform to lead multiple people that I don't even still sometimes to this day feel qualified to do. But it is in the things that nobody else has their eye on you. That's where development happens. See, champions are not made in a ring. They're made, they're recognized in a ring, but they're not made there. Champions are not made in public. They're just recognized there. But they're made behind the scenes, jump rope. And Michael, we have practice today for, for, for the football team that he leads. Nobody's going to be there. But when they win the game, everybody's like, whoa. But they didn't become champions on that field. It's, a, it's the catching. It's, it's all the hiking. It's, it's all the running. It's all the other stuff. And I'm telling you, if you despise the days of keeping your sheep when nobody else is looking at you, then you have just forfeited the day that you would actually walk into your God-given destiny. Somebody had the eyes on David. And they took David's name and dropped it in the ear of the king. And from that day to the rest of his life until he became king, he actually got to live with the king. And I don't have time to talk about how the guy that he served ended up throwing spears at him. The guy that he was a savior to ended up trying to take his own life. They only look for one prerequisite. They said, he got to know how to play a harp. But the guy said, not only do I, does he know how to play a harp, I'm going to tell you about somebody. He's a man of valor. He's brave. He's integrous. They said, he's a man of war. This guy said, I watched him fight off sheep and bear all He's This guy, the real deal. They also said of David that he was handsome. In other words, he handles himself well. I want to, but this young generation trips me out. How are you going to go for a job looking like you just woke up? I don't know why they didn't hire me, boss. Probably because you said boss. That's probably why, that's probably why they didn't hire You know what I'm saying? He handled himself well. Even though he didn't have a big platform, he just said, I believe enough in my future that I ain't going to always be here. And I'm dressing for my future one day. It even said that he was prudent in his speech. He talked as if I'm going somewhere. See, if once again, if you wait till you get there, you are behind. Where you see yourself going five years from now, you don't start five years now. You start now because I'm going somewhere. I'm not always going to be here. 
all my friends that made fun of me when I left North Carolina, Kaylin, they come, what are you doing? And I'm just serving and doing stuff. They say, man, what are you doing? Man, we having revivals and all the, we doing this stuff, man, as, as great as a communicator as you are, man, you should be doing all this stuff. Zero of them are in ministry today. It's like I told my team today. I said, even in those years when I felt like I'm going backwards, I'm going, I'm going backwards. You know what Abba told me? Abba said, Josh, he said, no, son, I'm about to reveal to you what I call the sling shot. You feel like I'm taking you back? It's okay. I'm just developing you. But when I release you, watch what happens. And you get a momentum into your destiny like you've never seen before. And David, all the shame, all the stuff they put on him, guys, I'm almost done. Come on, Grant, to the guitar for me, bro, if you don't mind. God was fixing the makeup for all that stuff in one day. And the Bible says, man, I do not have time. The Bible says when David got called and he came before King Saul, I mean uh, Samuel and all of his brothers, feeling like he was nothing. I love this. I, I love the word of God. The Bible says Jesse was in there, which means possessed, by the way. David was a son of a possessed man. I love that. Jesse was in there and seven of his brothers. Everybody that he probably really didn't like being around because of what they put on him was in there. He probably felt his smallest around his family. Some of y'all, by the way, you know what that feels like. And he's in there. And the Bible says that he got anointed in the midst of his brothers. You know what that means? God said, I'm going to set this up, David. God could have God, God told Jesse, now you keep these, these boys in the house. I'm sending the prophet to the field. He said, Jesse, go call your son because I want him to stand in the midst of the ones who made fun of him his whole life. I want him to stand in the midst of the ones that have shamed him his whole life. And I want the ones that shamed him, I want you to watch what it's like to see all your running down that boy's face. <laughs> Man, I can take wings and fly right now. And for once, I believe David stood there and he basked in the fact that, man, all is running down my face right now. Warriors running down my face right now. And after David finally became king, he wrote Psalms 23. (laughs) And all my days of having to be faithful when nobody had their eyes on me and me having to feed sheep and guide sheep and protect sheep and fight for sheep, all the stuff I had to do. He said, I'm going to write a song to my God for it. Because the same way I find myself having to feed sheep and protect sheep and guide sheep, he said, maybe that's the way that Abba did it for me. The same way I positioned these sheep to eat, to feed, all the stuff. He said, that's kind of the way God has done my life. So he wrote Psalms 23 from a posture, not, as, not of a shepherd. He wrote it from the posture of a sheep. And he said, the Lord, you've been my shepherd. I don't want anything today. God, you did this. He said, you led me through the paths of righteousness for your name. It wasn't my doing. God did it. Come on, stand to your feet. I want to tell you something. Get ready for more. Somebody say, get ready for more. I'm telling you, listen, I feel this in my spirit. I'm not even trying to be spiritual, and I'm not trying to be TBN-ish. I heard the Lord say this, that promotions are coming. Let me, tell you what I told, let, me, let me tell you what I told the Lord, man. I said, God, for what I believe in my heart, I'm actually intimidated. Because I don't think, I don't see the finances for it. 
He said, Joshua, I can promote people in your family so that you'd never have to think that another day in your life. Ain't anybody saying anything? There are people in this room, we are three months, not even a full three months into the year that have had fifteen dollars to $20,000 raises. We ain't even into the year yet. In this room. In this room. You better get ready to get a phone call. Get ready for phone calls. I hear this in my heart. Get ready for what was told you to actually get corrected. No, you ain't saying anything. You were told something that wasn't true. But vengeance is from the Lord. Uh, I'm telling you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you, God will vindicate. For this is my heritage as a servant of the Lord, said Isaiah. Be faithful when nobody sees you. Be faithful when no eyes are on you. Be faithful when it looks like ain't nothing going to happen. Be faithful when you don't even see a door for God to even open. Be faithful and where you, if you find yourself in a cubicle, then you be faithful. Come on, if you're a stay-at-home mom, then be faithful. If you feel like I am a failing entrepreneur, then be faithful. Because God has a way to make things happen. God can, listen, God can make up for years of dysfunction and years of mistreatment in a single day. The day David got the call to go to the palace, everything shifted for him. So much so that his life shifted that... I don't know, a 1,000 to 1,500 years later when Jesus Christ actually came to the planet, when the angel was sent to Mary's house, he said, you're going to give birth to a son, and he shall be the son of the highest. And the angel didn't say that Jesus, the son of God, would sit on the throne of his father Abraham. He didn't say he would sit on the throne of his father Elijah. He didn't say he would sit on the throne of his father Moses. He said, this son, who is my son, he could be known as anybody's son on the planet, but I want him to be known as the son of one man. I want him to be known as the son of David. What? The guy that slept with multiple women, yeah, I want him to be known as his son. The guy that was known for just wiping up, yeah, I want him to be known as his son. Get ready. Get ready. Michael, I want to say over you and your family that there is, oh, there is more in store for you than what meets the eye. The little I know of you, I know you think ahead of your future. But I'm telling you, there's some things you have not seen yet. In the same way that Boaz had his men drop handfuls of purpose ahead of Ruth so that she would bump into him in her daily goings, I hear the Lord said in my heart that he has sent angels ahead of you and they are dropping handfuls of purpose ahead of the Woodard family. And you are going to bump into some things that you knew were coming, but there are going to be some things that you didn't know were coming. You're fixing to see the blessing of having Jehovah Sneaky as your God, man. You don't see it coming. But handfuls of purpose. Everybody say handfuls of purpose on purpose. I'm saying handfuls of purpose on purpose for you, friend. Jesus. 
if you need something turn around, it could even be legally. I just want you just to lift up your hands. If you need a turnaround, something has been said or stated against you, you need a turnaround. That's who our God, he's the God of the turnaround. Father, in Jesus' name, you know who that is. I ask you, Lord, to turn it around. You are the Genesis 1 God. You step in the darkness and you call for light. You see nothing but seas, but you pull out dry land. And I hear the Lord saying, I am going to call what you need out of every area that seems to be dysfunctional. And I thank you, Jesus, that this will not take a long time. Woo. We serve the God that turns things around. It's Jesus. Some of you guys are used to crying and you are used to sad. You almost got used to dysfunction. But I hear the Lord said, these are days of your Isaac. You'll get ready to laugh. Ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. I'm telling you, God is going to restore laughter to some of your living rooms. He's going to restore laughter to some of your bedrooms, and heaven knows we need it. Jesus. He's going to restore laughter to your bedrooms, and heaven knows we need it. Some of you hadn't done this in a long time. You need to make a meal and sit down at an actual dinner table. Set your phones aside. Look into the eyes of your kids. Look into the eyes of your spouse and have what God created. And he simply called it conversation and watch supernatural things happen. You're looking for an angel. You don't need one. You need a conversation. Jesus, man. Jesus, man. Jesus, man. Jesus. Restoration. 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 Father, I bless our kingdom family today. Thank you for their lives. Well, this is a year for more. Show us how to be faithful with what we currently have so that we can inherit what you set aside for us. Maritally, relationally, Financially, mentally, emotionally, socially, and even financially. These are great days to be alive. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you're grateful for God's word, give him thanks today. Listen, before we go today, Chris, and you guys want to go up there for me, I want to say this to you. If you have been coming to this church, man, I'm going to start doing this every single week. And you don't have a church family. You don't have a place you can call home. You have nobody to connect with, either because of your story or because you haven't made that effort to do it yet. I want you to know this, man. We, listen, I don't want there to be what I call a spiritual orphan in any sense in this city. We want you to find home. Everybody say find home. And I want to tell you something. Your Your who is often determined by your crew. Who you, who you become largely in part, according to scripture, can directly be connected to the people that you're connected to. The people you choose to do life with, they actually give you speed in your life. And the people that you're connected to, I'm telling you, can help you immensely in regards to your destiny. If you don't know church as a place of home and you don't know, you know what, I don't know who my family is, but I really want to learn. And I would love to be connected. I love what I feel here. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If that's you, I'm going to just count to three. If that's you, just step out of your seat and come meet me right here. And I promise you, you know what it means for family to celebrate you. If that's you, and it may not be anybody, but if that's you, we want to celebrate you. One, two, 
three, anybody at all, you want that in your life. You want that kind of family. You don't have it, but you want it. Three, that you, anybody in the room before we go on? Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Well, Way family, we love you. We bless you. If you will consider helping us for all of our donations, just go by our connection desk. Come on, one more time. Let's give God thanks in the room today. God bless you guys. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.